bomb, 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 You can't say bomb on the plane. Bomb, 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 bomb. What they call it? Let's get the Patreon recording. Yeah, let's get that Patreon anchor holding us down. Oh man, my shirt on. I almost did it. Still, one of the funnest things in me in movie history is uh, me, my son, no, uh, the cable guy when. Ben Stiller plays the Menendez brothers. They have him come in the court. <laughs> he, <looks so> he played that so seriously. That's what made that so good. You know, he, I think he had that same look on it when one of our guests earlier this season was like, I was in the room and he was like, you know what? Don't take this the wrong way, but I don't want to be in there with you. <laughs> All right, Ben, that's a, that's a wrap. I mean, don't, don't, get this, don't, don't get me wrong, guy. You're a great fucking guy. I just don't want to be in the room. Uh oh. Someone has some unfair ammunition here. It's okay. Your wait, see your 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 shift is your shift is started. Eat my shorts. You no, know I'm saying your shift is started. Tarantino's shift was early, and then mine will be right after this. That's when mine starts. Like everybody, the shift. Cause he's going down for the count. He's talking about what we're doing later. Nothing. I'm glad we, we got a we have visitation. Right. Ew. Oh. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna reshoot the uh, the aimbot thing because that's getting old with the uh, Doctor Strange makeup. So I was gonna do something that was a little bit quicker okay. off of those notes right there. <clears throat> all right. When we get to the sponsor. All right. All right. Are we rolling on all accounts? Uh, <clears throat> rolling on sound, video, video. All right. right. Yep. Three, two. What the fuck is up, Internet? It's season two of TTFT, and this week we are back to you with not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but ten great commandments. Dave, how the fuck have you been? I've been pretty excellent. A little have bit you? behind on the editing. Sorry about that. You don't have to apologize. I'm still sorry. I'm not apologizing. I'm just sorry. But so excited about this episode and the news that we got this week. Yeah, I guess they'll be finding out that about that a little later. But before we get started, guys, number one, do not forget to subscribe. That's number one. Number two, don't forget to check out that awesomely made website by him, the reason why he's behind on editing at ttft.live. Also, do not forget the good old folks over at Anchor are listening right now. If you ever want to just hold us down verbally or just listen, hey, that's your long form of the format. And for everyone else, do not forget that if you want to help us out, all you got to do is hit that Patreon link that's also on the beautiful website that he has done. Now, guys, this week we are bringing to you the 10. Dave, why did you choose this one? Because I loved Wet Hot American Summer. David Wayne and that, that, that whole team made Wet Hot American Summer, and the 10 was kind of the next thing that I heard of that they came out with, and it did not let me down as far as bringing the comedy, the absurdity and the comedy that I found in Wet Hot American Summer was uh, all over the 10, if not more so. Amazing. Well, guys, we're going to jump all into that. But before we go ahead and get started, number one, and before we kick, kick it over to our good friend Tarantino for the elevator pitch, uh, guys, don't forget, we got a really great, 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 great sponsor. Tell them about it, Dirt. Thank you very much to Aimbot for sponsoring this episode and so many other episodes. Aimbot serves up all natural shots in a variety of flavors. They are locally owned right here in our hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. Duval. 
Their unique brain hacking formula uses a special mix of all natural ingredients that keep you awake and energized, improves your focus and ability to multitask, strengthens your critical thinking skills and memory, turns on the happy brain chemical in your brain by increasing your body's pro turns on the happy brain chemical in your brain by increasing your body's production of serotonin and improves mental and athletic performance. How about some scientific facts? Really tasty flavors, 100%. You can get it in blue raspberry, fruit punch, grape, apple, or straw kiwi. Powerful supplements, 100%. Bullshit ingredients, 0%. Magic, 31%. You never want more than 31% of magic in anything or else you're getting into a dangerous territory. So Aimbot has exactly the right amount of magic involved. 69% technology, so it's it's mutually pleasurable for both you and Aimbot. You, you take the child-proof cap off uh, and then Aimbot will get you off. 0% sugar, 100% excellence, and 0% high ping. With their portable pocket-friendly tubes, Aimbot serves up energy on demand. Use our promo code TTFT. You can get a variety pack. That's four uh, for just 10 bucks, which is normally $12. Or go big with their 40 pack for just 85 bucks, normally $100. You can get that at aimbotenergy.com slash discount slash TTFT. Save 15%. You'll be supporting a locally owned business. It's a huge support to our show, and you'll be on your way to being the best version of yourself. Aimbot energy. <laughs> Shit. I you need some aimbot. I can't yawn during that. <laughs> aimbotenergy.com slash discount slash TTFP. That's still weak. Go back to the last duty. Uh, aimbotenergy.com slash discount. It's backslash, right? Backslash. Uh, I think it's a forward. It's slash. falling forward. Okay. Aimbot. See, I've never, okay, aimbots. It looks like it says aimbots in 10 energy. That's how I know I'm fucked up. Right? <laughs> 253 tubes. All right, aimbotenergy.com forward slash discount floor slash three, two, one. Aimbot.com. Aimbot energy. Aimbotenergy.com forward slash discount floor slash DTFT. All right, coming up in this episode, stick around and cast crew and you. We will be talking to two uh, people that starred in the 10, Cedric Sanders. Hold on, did they star? Now watch yourself. Uh, Check yourself before you wreck yourself. As far as I'm concerned, they may have differing opinions. Uh, Cedric Sanders, this is his first film. Uh, he's gone on to win many awards since then. Um, Andrea Rosen, a very talented filmmaker, comedian, actress, who has worked with the team behind the 10 with pretty much everything since they started. And the writer, director himself, Mr. David Wayne, will be joining us as well. Awesome. Be now before we moved on to the elevator pitch, I wanted to... The, the intro that we landed on was not the original intro we were going to do. There was actual, actually much debate or conversation, I would say, over. Yes. And you threw down one of your vetoes. Yeah, I, I, been, I originally wanted to do the Sabbath. Yes, and I and I didn't, but I just want you to know that I'm using my keto from veto from Kill. I'm I'm still three or four projects back with vetoes. No, I got vetoes from the Selma to projects. So you got my V card is super super high. Okay. My V credit is on point. So I I got vetoes from Selma, Kill, Manson Lane. Like I'm this is my first one I've ever used, and I all because my I get my peck juice right, man. Well, you and Tarantino, who will be coming up in the elevator pitch, put together a pitch for the <laughs> intro, and you sent it to me on Messenger. And I saved it so it could play it right here. When Angela got done watching that, as she was watching it, she goes, what the hell are they doing? You know, she, what the hell is that? I was like, they, they're pitching an intro for the 10. And she, her response was, what the hell does that have to do with the movie? 
They're wiener dogs. I, I get it. I get With it. With faces on them. But I said it. But there might be there might be too much wiener to be lost in translation. Well, I just want to say one thing from that great pitch you did from our sponsor. I took two two words from that pitch. Mutually pleasurable. <laughs> I like that now. I want some mutually pleasurable people in my life. I did. Uh, I did. I did appreciate the effort in drawing faces. Thank on you. That was with a sharpie, <laughs> a sharpie on a softie. Hey, this is our tenth episode. June third will be our finale with the Goonies. When we return in July for season three, there will be some changes to look forward to. For instance, the main thing you'll notice is that our content, all of it, will be uncensored. We'll also be shifting to a one episode per month format, while still providing new content every month. So it'll go like. New episode, first Thursday of the month. Full-length interviews, second second Thursday of the month. A bonus episode, along with the fuck-ups, will be on the third Thursday of every month. All the segments will post on the fourth Thursday. And for those those months that have five Thursdays, and then we're going to reserve that day for something special, whatever we decide it to be. So basically, it's TGITT on TTFT. Thank God it's Thursday for TTFT. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think. Sure. I know. Okay. Great. All right, guys, just like we told you, we got a special gift for you. I know last week you guys got all bent out of shape because you thought the real Tarantino was coming on. But I promise you this week, guys, listen, we did have to pull some strings and we're able to get Tarantino Jones back again. T, roll that beautiful bean footage and take it away. All right. We do our research. <clears throat> Let's see. If you want to bring it in, I'll go. I'll well, I, brought, go. I brought the intro in, so I guess you can okay. bring it up. <clears throat> All right, thank you very much to Mr. Tarantino motherfucking Jones. Woo! It is time for We Do Our Research. Here is almost just about everything you need to know about The Ten. It was released in the U.S. on August 5th, 2007. This was just four days after writer-director David Wayne turned 38. Other films that were out around this time, it definitely had its competition across the spectrum as, as far as comedies go. Uh, we had uh, Pineapple Express, Tropic Thunder, The House Bunny, and the very hilarious Philip Gardner cinematic classic, Angels, Demons, and Freemasons, The True Conspiracy. Ding, ding. The Ten was co-written and directed by David Wayne. He also gave us such classes at Classic. The Ten was co-written and directed by David Wayne. He also gave us such classics as The State and Stella, Wet Hot American Summer, which my predecessor and co-writer and co-friend and co-worker told you about earlier. He actually directed portions of Dennis Leary's Merry Fucking Christmas special, another favorite film of mine, Role Models, uh, Wayne Days. I, you see what he did there with Wayne Days? I mean, if you're a fan of Wayne and you haven't seen this series, hey, do yourself a favor. Find it. Watch it. Do it, friendo. It's kind of like his version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, I can, hey. We all need a little bit more Larry David in our life. Wonderlust. Uh, and never forget, hey, don't forget about uh, They Came Together. I, one of my favorite. Actually, I've seen that in another shot, but I think that's a different film. This is a parody that was done so well, it was almost an actual genre that it was parodying, like romantic comedy. You gotta love that. Now, hey, Children's Hospital on my favorite show when I became a teenager before the real anime, Adult Swim. Dave, you want to take the last one? He also he he recently did the uh, the uh, he recently did the comedy biopic about National Lampoon's media empire of futile and stupid gesture, which was released on Netflix. And this is most certainly not Wayne's first collaboration with co-writer Ken Marino. Ken Marino. They also <laughs> came together to write The State, Role Models, Wayne Days, Wanderlust, and Children's Hospital. 
Camerino also appears in all these projects as well as most of Wayne's work. He is, of course, Dr. Glenn, as a goof, Richie, in the 10. Um, the variety of fantastic music in this film was composed by Craig Worden, who has worked with David Wayne dating back to, if I'm not mistaken, 1992 on a short film called Isle 6. He also worked on The State, as well as the most recent, A Futile and Stupid Gesture. And we're not calling it Futile and Stupid, that's just the name of it, guys. Look it up, Google something. And pretty much everything else in between, they pretty much, you know, collaborated with. He also typically appears in films such as some kind of, you know, rocker musician. Is that back? So that's not what really happened? No, no, it is, but it's, it's, it's not like a such as. Okay, thank you. Three, two. Are you giving me back to that beer? It sounded like the films such as, and okay. you were going to, it sounded like ah. you were going to say films. Okay, three, two, one. And also he, three, two, one, just read it from the script. Three, two, one. He also typically appears in the films. Okay, I, get, I got what you're oh, saying. Now we in rewrites. <laughs> he also typically appears. He also <clears throat> All right, here we go. I see what's going on here. He also typically appears in the films as some kind of <laughs> musician. Yes. <laughs> yes, there it is. Stumbling towards home. <laughs> the budget and income for the 10, according to IMDb, the budget was an estimated 5,250,000. It made just over 121,000 on a limited release during its opening weekend with the present total worldwide gross of around $785,530. Not a total loss, at least for the filmmakers, I would say. The film was sold to Think Film and City Lights Pictures at Sundance Film Festival for $4.5 Better be glad Tommy Lee Jones wasn't on set in his attorneys. He would have came back. <laughs> $15 million worth. It runs at 1 hour and 36 minutes, and it was filmed in New York City and Mexico in July of 2006, which was like, it was released in 2008, you said, right? So that's like mm -hmm. two, oh no, 2007. Mm -hmm. All right, so it was almost a year between uh, wrapping and, and releasing, because mm -hmm. they didn't just have, they're not like a big studio that had it, you know, uh, the theater plan mapped out, ready to go for it. They had to actually take it like an independent filmmaker and, and stop it. it. Yeah. Even with all, with all those names. Yeah, wild, wild. All right. We want to, you want to reset the camera before we do this one? Or 14, now nah, we're good. All right, bring it in. Uh, bring it in. <clears throat> Let's get into, oh Lord, my Lord, Connections. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> What's going on, guys? It is now time for Connections. I'm your pusher. With that being said, guys, it's time to go ahead and connect this film in weird ways, good ways, bad ways, seven degrees of separation, Kevin Bacon style. You know what I'm doing here. Let's get started. Now, first thing I noticed about this film, not necessarily a connection other than they played off the theme of the music a little bit. Like when it was, to me, I, one of the underlying tones of this film is that I really think that they're, they're mocking a lot of things and just some of them making jokes a lot of things. So when the film first comes on with the commandments being shown and how they're being shown, I, and the music, I couldn't help but think of Star Wars. It made me think of it every single time. Like, because what they're saying is, oh, here's this great story we're about to tell you guys about. We can tell great stories, too. Even Paul Rudd says that in the beginning. He's like, uh, 10 commandments, 10 stories. Like, he... Depending on how you play that, you know, it can be they're, they're playing with it. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, awesome, man. All right, got you here. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm gonna go and get just just throw this one out there. I think if not in every movie, I've somehow had some Marvel connection here. So you want you want to do it this time? 
do, just off the top of my head, out yeah. next to Marvel. At, you know, out the top of your head, if you gl- after you glance down at my notebook right now, if you replay well, this, I don't game- want to glance down at your notebook because you're always accusing me. So I'll just say Paul <laughs> Ant Man has something to do with Ant Man. Correct. And, 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 and is, come is, on, uh, come Pam, on. Does Famka Johnson come on there? Come on. What is? Come on. I don't know. I don't, come on, boy. I don't know. Is, are, come on, David. Is X Men? Come on, David. <laughs> Bring me home. This <laughs> is it. It's happening. <laughs> say it. Who was she? As a fucking goof. <laughs> No, I don't know. Jean Grey, man. Jean Grey. I, I would have never guessed that. And then she became the Phoenix. So, yes, we had uh, Jean Grey and uh, Ant-Man on the screen at the same time before they even knew it. Yeah. Okay. Boom, okay. boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got you. Uh, okay, this is a connection to the first time I think I've ever done. This is a connection between the movie and the actual show. You love this movie so much. And, I mean, I don't think you put it up there with other movies that you love, but it's still up near the top. But then we did a movie, uh, inaugural, our inaugural season, episode one, you did this little, this little, uh, out of like some some bougie film critic, like we like like you you're, you're tea and crumpets if you will. And I love the British guys. It just I'm just letting you know this is how he was mocking you guys here. It's like that thing from Seinfeld. It's like I think he converted to Judaism just for the jokes. So <laughs> so when you um season one when you were talking about Black Panther, you were like vibranium, uh, these nice cities, blah blah. There's one of these things aren't war rhinos. One of these things aren't like the other. But you praise this fucking lion rhino and this film here. So you do like rhinos. You just like them the way you want them, and you. Oh. Want them animated? Oh, 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 God! Oh, yeah! I've got, I've got notes that were written days ago that will back me up when I say that I do not praise the lying rhino. Man, you gave the listen. It says you gave the war rhino a hard time, man. So let me get this straight: the rhino that was against white supremacy, but the rhino that's out here trying to sell lies. Which one you want to be with, man? I, I agree. I say that they're both ridiculous. No. No, what, I don't care how they stop supremacy. I would, no, I would, not ridiculous. I would say that, that <laughs> the lying rhino fits into the 10 as much as the war rhinos fit into the Black Panther universe. I want you to go to Wakanda and take this fucking lion, rhino line with you and you see what the fuck happens. I'm not advocating for the lying rhino. When we get to Room for Improvement, you will see in my notes that the lying rhino is the weak part of the movie as far as I'm concerned. And I think the war rhinos were the weak part of Black Panther. Can you get that? Because you're reaching. <laughs> Messing with you, man. It's cool, man. All right. Uh, let's take a look here. Also here. Now, for some reason, I have this written down because apparently I was going to mess it up. It says, Lord of Connections, go to Bigger Boat and reference the connection between that line and the... And, oh, yes. Yes, Lord of Connections. And go to... We're doing this now. We're doing this live, guys. It's so beautiful. It says, go to Bigger Boat. Where's my Bigger Boat? Ooh, there's going to be a Bigger Boat. Okay, okay. Hold on. While you, while you search for that, I'm going to mm. start and stop the camera. Okay. 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 Too, yeah, that was an interconnection. I'm gonna find that one later and I'll represent back there. Oh, yeah, there we go. Three, I'm ready. Three, two, 
All right. Also, we have a. Uh, we're gonna go back. Rud. I call this Rud Square. We're gonna do two Rud connections back to back. If you notice earlier, uh, this is connection between you personally and Paul Rudd. Uh, what happens here is in, in the beginning of the film, Paul Rudd, while he's still behind the commandments, he's taking the phone call and he was like, "You knew what you were getting into when you married me." And I can only think of how many times you've had to tell Angela that with all the work that you do. So I've never had to say it out loud, but it's always been implied. We love you, Mama Cuckoo. All right, and with that being said, also another Rudd connection there is the shirt that he has on. Uh, it is from the 40-year-old virgin. So as he's just been rocking, he keeps that shirt for every movie he does now, man. That's the connection to the 40-year-old virgin, Paul Rudd, man. That one I'm gonna, shirt. I'm going to have to search for that screenshot, and I'm going to be really upset Listen, with you. I was I wrong last it's... week. Look, DJ Qualls or Quilly, whatever the fuck, man. I was wrong, all right? All right, there you go. You, you feel good now? You're, is your pecs pumped up with juice? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a Tyrone in Florida, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, listen, that was uh, Lord of Connections here. And hey, guys, we'll see you next week on that one. Uh, Prince of Connections has a few connections. You always do me this night like this. You always do me this. <laughs> I wanted to connect it to last week tonight because when it opened up, Paul Rudd is sitting in a void. And since the pandemic, John Oliver has been stuck in a blank white void as well. So I'm wondering if he's neighbors with Paul Rudd or Jeff Riegert as he is in, uh, in the 10. And then um, when I was doing the facts, I saw this show called Decalogue that was um, in 1989, 1990, had the same exact premise as the 10 as far as taking um, a, a different commandment uh, dictated the story for each episode. And then the characters would kind of show up in other episodes from previous episodes. Uh, the only difference being really is that the Decalogue took a dramatic, serious, like mystery approach to the uh, to the premise, and then there were a few Wayneverse connections for uh, fans of uh, David Wayne. Will have noticed Matthew. Uh, Matthew, I knew I was going to do that because Mather doesn't make. You sense. did write it though, right? Yeah, but Mather is what it is. It's Mather. It's Mather. Just uh, put a little thing between Mather. Mather. <laughs> <laughs> Mather Zickle, now I feel like it is Mather. Mather Zickle would go on to reprise his news reporter character, Louis LaFonda, look out, uh, in the first season of Newsreaders on Adult Swim. Uh, every member of the state uh, makes an appearance in, in the 10. The only person who didn't make an in-person cameo was Michael Patrick Jan, so a photo of him is actually held up during the last story. And a reporter in the 10 is named Jim Stencil. This is the same name that Janine Garofalo gives to David Hyde Park in Wet Hot American Summer when she's struggling to come up with the, uh, her favorite astrophysicist. She just comes out with Jim Stencil and, uh, Jim Stencil and he makes a return. Those are, those are the connections that I had. Um, hear me out. All right, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Because I, 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 I'm out of respect for you. I now ask you because ever since you fucked me up with the one from like three episodes ago, and you went so deep with was uh, uh, and Depth of Smooch. You went yeah. so deep in Depth of Smooch. I'm like, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I put a lot of thought into that one. This one was pretty easy. It was on the surface. So I, what's yours? I mean, you, you go ahead. You okay. Go ahead. I'll okay. wrap it up. All right. Uh, okay. That's what she says. Uh, guys, if you're a condom, condom company, we will sponsor you. Sponsor up. We, we don't care. We're where the rubber meets the road. You go ahead. I'll wrap it up. Ew, 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 ew. Hear me out. <clears throat> this whole thing, this is, this is like the, the rules of Rudd. Uh, this whole thing is about Paul Rudd. And I know you're saying, well, Tarn, you're not telling me something that he's, he, he's there throughout the whole movie. No, not the character. 
I'm talking about the human being. And damn near every movie I've seen Paul Rudd in, I just feel like, not forget every movie I've seen him in, I feel like these block of movies from the 10 to 40-year-old virgin, even in when he's, in, he's Ant-Man in the Avengers, no matter who he is, he's always in some type of quirky relationship try, thing, trying to always work it out. So I think that... Paul Rudd made a deal with the devil or whatever he did at the beginning of this film. Like, like he's like, you know what? I don't. I gotta go through all these commandments. He's trying to find what is it to make this one girl that I need. He's literally searching every. He went from the Ten Commandments, like, well, fucking none of that's working. So he went to the forty year old virgin. He was out the Malakunis and everybody else. He was like, this is so us. She's like, I changed my number. I changed my email. She's like, she's. He was like, started out with his stepsister in Clueless. See, there you go. So he was fucked up from the beginning. Incest to success. So as you see, this. Hear me out. This is yet again Paul Rudd just trying to own his way of journey and trying to find happiness. And I hope you I hope you find it, Paul. Yeah. And the fact that he that he goes to this void on his spare time and we're not seeing Paul Rudd makes sense why he doesn't seem to age in real life because it's he probably goes into this void where aging and time doesn't happen. To learn about love. Yeah. And he still can't get it right. I mean, at this point, I just say give it up, man. Love yourself. And love thy neighbor. Help! My uh my hear me out is that Ray Johnson uh is Ray Donovan. So what if after the incident with all the dying kids because of Ray Johnson's missteps with the MRI machines, he shaved his mustache, he changed his last name, and he moved to a new place to start anew. Ray Johnson is prone to violence, he's obsessive, and both Ray Johnson and Ray Donovan look just like the actor Lee Schreiber. Now if he did that, he'd make me scream. Hey, hey. What's what his name? Leary? Leary? Uh, something. Uh, uh, Cotton Leary. Cotton Leary. Cotton Leary. Hey, fuck it. Hey, hey, guys, this happened. Everything you see is happening now? Happening now. You got lemons? Let's make lemonade. All right. Casting call. Mm. Casting you call. You got a lot more than me, so you want to go ahead and see it. Yeah. So I did. Uh, I did that's Paul. weird as fuck right now when you say that's weird as fuck. <laughs> I did Paul Rudd as uh, Jeff Rieger. I think Tom Cruise could have done that pretty well okay and i'm gonna come i'll come along with you on this only because i don't, I don't how many have six i only have three so as you say yours i'll just say mine with yours so you don't have to go back home so my paul rudd eat your heart out bastard uh matthew broderick yeah he could have done it he's got that innocent boy yeah. next door mm -hmm. thing going on mm -hmm. i will say that everybody even though we're doing this i i think everybody that was in the in the movie oh yeah played their part yeah, yeah. definitely definitely uh, Winona Ryder as Kelly LaFonda. I think Drew Barrymore could have pulled off those extreme emotional like moments that Winona Ryder did. I had uh, Haley from Modern Family. Yeah. 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 Because the older Haley from Modern Family, because like, she she can be cruel, she can be this, she can be lighthearted, she can also be a bitch. Like, mm -hmm. the, the older version of it, not the younger when they first started. But yeah, I, I, see, I think she could have did it. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. I wouldn't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll shut up. I'm Thank you. Sure All right. Yeah. No, she's old. Okay. I wouldn't mind seeing her. No, I'm still going to shut up. I there you go. I mean, yeah, yeah. As a kid. You know what you're getting into when you married him. <laughs> Ken Marino as Dr. Richie. Mm. I got Dan Aykroyd vibes from that mm. character. I think Dan oh, yeah. Aykroyd could have done that. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to seen him do that. No, as a goof. No, 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 dude. Even Cranston would have killed that again. We just love Cranston, but he yeah, would have killed because yeah, he, would, he would have went back to Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, <laughs> Brian Cranston and Christian Bale uh, challenge you to find a role that they wouldn't have done well. Oh my gosh! Uh, Leave Schreiber as Ray Johnson. Uh, I think Kevin Spacey could have played the suburban jealous neighbor. Anytime. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Oliver Platt as Mark Jacobson <laughs> as Arnold Schwarzenegger and Eddie Murphy. I think Sylvester Stallone. I, I I don't know that he could have done it. I just think it would have been uh, humorous to watch. Or if they would have got Arnold himself to play Mark Jacobson and they didn't believe, like, you look nothing like Arnold Schwarzenegger. How are you even doing this? And it's actually him. I would have loved to let Sylvester do it because then that would have been the reverse true lie syndrome. Remember when he walked into the, he's like, not this guy. When Arnold Schwarzenegger saw him as oh, the, yeah, the, the Terminator. How about uh, the ter- last, last action hero? Last action hero. hero. Last action yeah. hero. Yeah, yeah. That that would have been the ultimate reverse. So, yeah, uh, for me, I, one person you met, uh, you, did, uh, you didn't do, uh, maybe you have on here, the, the uh, uh, Gretchen uh, Fonka. I, I switched her. Uh, just, this, just, this one's for me and you. Jesse Spanos. Yeah, I can see Adult her. Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, Jesse got adult. Strip tease, any given Sunday. Call she me Jesse. She had to take some uh, some ephedrine before she did that uh, go fly a kite response. Or she could have just used her own. So excited. <laughs> uh, real life casting calls that were almost made, uh, or actually this one was made. Being such a fan of David Wayne's work on Wet Hot American Summer, Winona Ryder actually signed on to the film without even reading the script. Mm-hmm. Amanda Peet was initially attached to be in the, uh, to be in the film. Um, H. John Benjamin, who was the voice of the lying rhino in the animation sequence, was supposed to be the human version of the character as well, but he didn't show up the set on the day that scene was shot, so the part was recast to Peter, I don't know how to say this last name, Saleh? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Salad. Both of the T's are Salad. It's like F-T. Why, why put two T's if, the, if even one isn't going to be Salad? If it's the out? English language, I stopped questioning a long time ago. That's true. All right, those are uh, that is casting call. Let's move on to pop quiz hot shot. Tell that wildcat behind the wheel, don't try anything. There's uh, not many facts here? out there you to be found. You want to reset here? We no, nah, we're only ten minutes. Damn, Rick smoking. Yeah, um, there aren't many facts to be found about this movie. So instead of giving you ten facts about the film, I've decided to list, not really list, but point out the the most absurd moments that I think need to be appreciated even more. Uh, and this movie is full of absurd moments. So here's 10 of them. A really good 10 that stood out to me. Uh, number 10, take two. When David, another name, D-I-A-A-N. Uh, David, David's dying. Dying? David's dying. dying. I think they're trying to talk to you. What the hell is going on? Take two. When David Dian's character appears Dion. to make it. When David... When when David Dion's character appears to make a mistake during his first take, showing an apartment to Paul Rudd's character, and then takes it back to try a second take, and both takes are used without cutting. Number nine, purple stuff. Hold on, do you think that was truly a mistake, or do you think that was left in? I think it was a mistake. I I think that it was a real, like, actor taking it back and trying it again. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a mistake in the editing or anything like that. It was definitely intentional to leave both takes in. You think so? I think so. Okay. Uh, I hope so. It's it's brilliant. Okay. Um, Number nine, purple stuff. How the ending of the Jaffe Brothers story without warning turns into an upbeat 90s Sunny D commercial. Like, it's like an episode of Step by Step from the fucking 90s or some shit like that. Or, yeah. Uh, what they really did, if you noticed it, they took uh, different strokes to, uh, they played in on that. Remember, like, like, you you know, yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. No, you don't. They, they primary colored it. <laughs> right, there you go. Um, number eight, misplaced heartfelt moments. 
So there's a few uh, really heartfelt moments in the movie, but they all take place between relationships you would you would never expect them to. So you get a heartfelt breakup between a ventriloquist, Harlan Swallow, and his dummy, and a heartfelt breakup between Big Buster and uh, Dr. Ritchie. Number seven, Dispard. When Judge Sophia R. Jackson dispars the prosecutor, played by Zach Orth, for no apparent reason and no explanation. Number six, fighting a puppet. Mather Zickel fights a puppet. Number five, fucking a puppet. Winona Ryder fucks a puppet. Number four, the best worst acting. Winona Ryder's many amazing emotional outbursts that just go above and beyond over the top. I guess she won't be making the wall. <laughs> I mean, she, it was great. It was just terrible on purpose. Number three, I mean, I actually, because you see her in Stranger Things, she's pretty much always at that Level. 11. Number three, Praying. Praying? Jason Sudeikis' character, Tony Contiella, being on his knees in the, uh, in the Lord's name in vain story for no reason at all, no explanation. And he also shows up in his knees the first scene in the, uh, the, um, in the, in the hospital. And he gets up off his knees. When they cut oh, him, he's on his knees again. Shit. And he gets, hey, I know what I'm doing here. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. Yes. Number two, the character names. Here are some character names from the 10. They, yeah, usually, this is where movies drop the ball. They just phone it in when it comes time to put char- put names on their characters. But not these guys. You get Sheila Contielli and her husband on his knees, Tony Contielli. Or is it Contiella? Either way, it starts with cunt. There's uh, Marty McBride, not McFly, Clovis Handelman, Michael Showalter plays Police Lieutenant Flarn Blurn. You should call the cops. Nope. A prison guard by the name of Carlos Lopez Gonzalez Banderas, (laughs) Luffy Levinsky, Barry Noodle, Greg Splenda, Bream Benson, Harlan Swallow, and of course, Jesus H. Christ. Harlan Swallow was my favorite, though. And number one, the ending. The 10 out of nowhere ends as if you have been watching a school musical production the entire time, and then it goes into music in the credits that practically describe either parts of the film or something that's happening at that moment in the credits when the song is playing to, like, ultra-specific detail. I just want to change one thing about that thing. You wrote everything's factually correct except for three words when you say out of nowhere. Anytime we like to reference a movie ending out of nowhere, I think No Country for Old Men should be <clears throat> what we're talking about. All right, really quick before we move on, guys. Uh, if you guys didn't notice here, we got some pretty decent, funky-looking wardrobe here. We got the commandments on the chest. Dave, tell them what your... is a hell of a number. Tell them pump your chest and pick and tell them what you got what going on with you. What, why'd you choose that commandment and tell us about it so i chose we we decided to put on our shirts so or at least we did uh, so i did the, the commandment <laughs> that i'm most guilty of which is put in other gods before or you should put no gods before me and i put no gods before god i don't put easy cowboy easy cowboy easy cowboy oh i put no gods before god easy cowboy. i definitely put no God before God, because I'm an atheist. And if I was to put a actual God before the hypothetical God Easy that is written in these commandments, it would be Jesus. All hell. Well, I was, that's when, I, they, they won't be looking at it now, because when you said that, they're definitely like, oh, he's, he's fine, he's fine. <laughs> I, well, the reason why I chose my commandment is the hypocrisy. Oh, I'm going to let you finish. Ah, okay. I see what you just did there. Let him finish! <laughs> Which is also... 
erotic in some type of way. So many lines that are erotic in this film. I chose this commandment because just like the film placated on certain commandments and showed you how, you know, ironic they can be, uh, mine, if you can tell, is thou shalt not kill. I find this ironic that that is one of the commandments in the Bible that was given to us by certain people, and those people who gave us this Bible now have people go kill us. Careful so, now. I, I, uh, I can wait when I leave? <laughs> I oh, okay, just, I got I you. just wanted to be the white guy. That's, so, hold on now. You're yeah. going to upset people. Hey, well, I mean, hey, listen, we're riding the needle now. All right, so with that being said, hey, listen, thou shalt not kill. At least listen to your own shit, man. All right, so now that we pissed off all the white people and the Christians, let's move on to... Oh, let's bring them on back. Chick-fil-A's open, guys. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not Sunday. Anchor, you're getting it all tonight. <laughs> How about seven minutes in heaven? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to reset. 722. You remember that? Easy cowboy. Easy. Easy. I saw you trying to find the right words, too, saying, I, I thought you were going first Baptist again on me. That the right way to be here. Oh, the cowboy. Don't ride that way. One second, sir. Oh, we decided not to air it. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Two feet firm in the ground. All right. So where we are? Seven minutes in heaven. <clears throat> Three. Let me know when you're ready. All right. Three. Three. Two. All right, guys. That brings us graciously to now our next segment, which is seven minutes in heaven. And guys, you know what we do here. We like to tell you about our favorite scenes from the film. We want to let you know what makes us feel like that kid in the closet film uh, feeling when you were younger. And, and that means if you were playing the game or in the world we live in now. Maybe you haven't come out yet. Well, guys, I want you to come out, check out this show, and tell us what were your favorite scenes from the film because we're about to tell you ours. Durden, go up. You're first. My number three is uh, this. Was, I love this movie because it made this, uh, this segment very easy because the scenes are so clearly defined. And I didn't really go by, like, the scenes. I did the story, like with the command, which commandments were my favorite. Um, uh, my number three was uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain because you have, uh, you have the, the character of Jesus H. Christ played by, or Justin Throw. Uh, the, the dude with, and I love the fact that he's credited it as Jesus H. Christ. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's good. Nice touch. The dude with one leg that is hopping along with Gretchen Mole and the, in her wagon uh, Angela pointed this out to me when we watched it recently. If you notice, like, Jesus is uh, whittling that dude a leg. And then when the guy is wearing the leg, when he takes Gretchen Mole away from the town, dude's still hopping, even with the leg on. Can I, can I ask, can I, I'll request elaboration. Okay. I want, should I say, I want to add just one thing to that there. Uh, notice now, go back and check this out and fact check me on this one. I was... If I thought I was right last week, I know that I'm right. This was a fucked up part about it. When he first meets her, when she first gets there, and she's, we'll talk about what she's doing later because that might be one of your scenes. When he first sees her behind her, like you say, he, he's willing the guy's leg. Right behind him on the table is the perfect length leg, and he won't fucking make it for him. I went back and checked. So I'm like, look at this shit. You sick bastard. He's, yeah, I did not notice that. I did, man. It's fucking crazy, dude. The, uh, uh, the, the looks that that Jesus gives in that in that story make the whole thing almost the long stairs really selling his mystery and sex appeal this is the uh, commandment where this is the commandment where we get Jason Sudeikis on his knees in the library for no reason 
Um, the other great thing about this story is the music, the El Fuego, El Fuego, <laughs> which really, it's the fire. It's like the most um, generic lyrics for a song ever. And the best part about this scene, and uh, honestly, probably one of the best parts of the whole movie is the narration and the, the, the fucking guy that just is infatuated with the word Vahina. Mm. 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 All right. Uh, hold on. Did you do all yours? Are you no, that's one? just my number three. Oh, okay. I got you. I see what you do. You broke it down. That is that, okay. I got you. All right, guys. Uh, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> all right. So what's what sets the what sets the tone for what what type of film I'm going to watch here is I love when films right from first off I don't need an intro an opening I know we talk a lot about endings but for an intro. Just throw me right into it. I don't need you to spoon feed me. And the, when I knew exactly what I was getting into when Paul Rudd is behind the Ten Commandments at the beginning. And he, sta he states clearly, we're already running behind. And you didn't come here to listen to my shit. As if, and then he, and he's in front of the commandment tablets. It's, it, I'm sorry, I rephrase that. Three, two, one. One of, my, one of my favorite parts is when Paul Rudd comes out in front of the Ten Commandment tablets. And if you look there, he, he starts to go into a story about Gretchen. He's like, you know what? Never mind. You didn't come for here for this. You don't want to hear my shit. And to me, like we just did in that last segment, if he hasn't pissed off every conservative uh, Christian from here to, for, to the Bible Belt, at that point, they're not watching this film. But for mm -hmm. me, I was locked in. I was like, oh, shit, I know what we're getting into now. So that was really one of my favorites because it's at the beginning and it's, it's a tone setter. It yeah. really is. That's where when he gets into commandment number two. Right. The deuce. Poop. Boom, drop it. Uh, my, speaking of number two, the deuce, poop. Uh, my number two is No Other Gods Before Me. The story is Stephen Montgomery. 30 seconds into the movie and you have Adam Brody jumping from a plane to which the, the instructor holds up the parachute to let us know that he's leaped from the plane enthusiastically without a parachute. Um... And the, uh, you get the sleazy reporter, LaFonda. The way he spits before any, uh, any take, before the cameraman yells action, he's always got to spit before his first line. I thought that was hilarious. He's like, uh, is that coffee breath? Tell me later. Pushes her down, spits. And then uh, in the studio, he's like, you lift me up beyond the sky. Look out. <laughs> and then it goes right into the lines. Um... Uh, what the hell does he say? Uh, okay, so yeah, then you have uh, Ron Silver as the agent. When it when it shows Ron Silver in the office, and only you only see the agent Ron Silver and uh, Harlan Swallows, the ventriloquist. Oh my god! And he's like giving this. He's he's like giving this dude a reaming, and you're like, obviously, these these scathing words belong to the ventriloquist. This is who they're direct they're directed to, and then it reveals this poor girls sitting there who like get the hell out of my office and she has to leave and you it leaves you to wonder what what could be what about this person's performance could be so vile that she deserved these words not the ventriloquist what is worse than ventriloquism this this, this, is, this is okay then this is why i say we have the same one on that one that was definitely one of my top three scenes and i, I but you, i did you see the way ron silver looks at harlan swallows after after yeah she he, leaves, he's, he's like, like how the hell did she get in there yeah. because but no but this is my thought process this is the way i took it i took it as and I guess I shouldn't have took it that way, but at that moment in my mind, I thought they were playing off of it. In my mind, this is how I saw it when I first saw it. It was like the office, the boss, the secretary, the performer, the firing. 
one of these things are not like the other. And in my mind, I thought, because the movie was so obscure, I still thought that the, the ventriloquist was the secretary. And he was like, and so he was like, how the hell is she getting here? He answers him with the little question. I'm like, oh, shit. When, like I say, that's just a brilliant setting because, again, it's playing with your mind and they're, they're not feeding you the narrative. She gets out there and runs out of, like, now you can be dramatic. That yeah. is, you know what I'm saying? But and that was a good one, man. Really and good. And then in that story, like, you get one of my favorite songs in the movie, the, uh, the, the theme song, To Go In Nowhere, I think is the name of the show about Stephen Montgomery with the mm. two feet firm in the ground. It is, uh, it's fantastic. A perfect parody on those types of songs. Oh, man. Let me... I know we're going back and forth, but I got to get this one out because you, you, you didn't steal in my thunder on that one, but that was definitely one of my favorite ones. This is a honorable mention one for me, and I, I don't know if you have it in there, but God damn it, man, talk about con- slapstick comedy. Literally. Hey. Daddy loves you. <laughs> Daddy loves you. Oh, Daddy yes. loves you. <laughs> well, that dude, that shit there, like that kid had to be like, man, what am I signing up for? It looked like he really smacks this fucking he says, kid. He said, the kid goes, I'd sit up the VCR. Smack. <laughs> Sorry, Jackie. Daddy loves, loves his little boy. And he's like, I did set it up though. Smack. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Daddy loves his little boy. I love you too, Dad. Slap. <laughs> but then when it cuts to Joe, Latrug- Joe Latruglio, the neighbor, and he just like, the beat on that is so quick when it, I don't know what his son did exactly, but Joe Latruglio slaps the shit out of his kids. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They don't get down like that over there. Go ahead, sir. That, that's my number one scene. What's, oh, man, that, I didn't mean that, to say uh, it. Oh, no, okay, 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 yeah. The, the covet the neighbor's goods with Lee Schreiber and Joe Latruglio, the, the slapping is, is amazing. The, when, when uh, Ray is on the phone uh, ordering another MRI machine and his wife comes running in, she's like, this is insane, stop it. Goes, Neck chops her. She falls immediately to the ground. He looks around so casually, oh, I'm sorry, honey, I didn't see you there. Um, the scene could have won my number one just alone for Lee Schreiber's mustache. Um, you have that moment when they're in the doorway, uh, the uh, McDonald's woundies. Booger King, and it's so such a trivial, uh, it's such a trivial thing that that is what ends up being the the catalyst for them like finding common ground and becoming friends. Because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, oh, I, I like that, I love it, Ray, I really do love it. And then from that point on, they're friends over something so stupid. Um, this sequence has my favorite score of the whole film out of all the great music in the movie. There's this uh, funny moment when Janine Garofalo is screaming with Zach Orth in the uh, the nuclear when everything's the going nuclear crazy. Plant, and mm-hmm. then, um, that was almost an extension to a scene uh, with them screaming in Wet Hot American Summer. And, of course, the intro we did, one of the greatest moments in the 10. You did. Ju- that was all you, man. Come on, man. The jukebox moment, the way uh, Latruglio dances over, the way they both quietly sway in silence awkwardly until Joe finally begins the first lines of dialogue. Uh, Leave Schreiber with his, let's give him something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Killed it. I've never seen Leave Schreiber in a role like that, which made that scene extra enjoyable. Cotton, man, you've come a long way. My uh, my number one, man, I don't even need to see it, but to me, that courtroom scene with that beautiful black, she had to be from Wakanda Judge. Listen, man, that was a fucking classic. The dialogue, the pacing, the timing, like that that scene could have been over in like 10 seconds. She was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and call through the trial. She's about to ring the charge. The, 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 the jury foreman stands up. Uh, don't you want to do that? She was like, really? You want to go through the rigmarole? Rigmarole. rigmarole? So they go, they leave, they come back. And, and this vindictful, 
your person judged and rightfully so they comes back like three and a half hours later she was like ain't that what i said three and a half hours ago so she's so pissed off at that so anybody that even looks at her the wrong way for the right reason is going to get slew and that's why that guy got fired he was probably like thank you judge thank you thank you and she yeah. was like and you you're disbarred not the not the, the the team that lost the team that won he just got disbarred I yeah. love that scene, man. She took the the stereotypical, I guess it would be like a ABW, and owned it. American black woman? Angry. Oh. Because when I first saw that scene, I'm like, this is like, uh, she's one of the the only black characters that are like prominently, but you got the Jaffe brothers. Mm -hmm. But she got to be herself. Like, she got to play what she probably I, yeah, really was I feel thinking. Like, I feel like it wasn't written as a, right. to be a stereotype. I feel like it. Uh, they... That's got to be somebody that's known personally, and that's like a play on her personality. Right, and that's who she like, like. Like she like they sat around with her in real life, maybe watching Judge Judy or one of these judge shows. She was always like, "Nah, what the fuck?" Then she she could have said that shit three hours ago. Uh -huh. Like, nah, bring her in here. No, we don't need it. We this is perfect for her. Yeah, it's like the joke is, what if that, because the the, um, a, a black woman of a certain age is typically like you get what you get, and you get the truth. Did you get that on Google? Yeah. No, I, I got that from a picnic. <laughs> ah, because, oh, like, oh, you, yeah, I see you here. Get, you get, like, there's no, there's no sugarcoating at all here. It's like, and, and it's Can like you the, think of any other words that have white and black in them? Because you were just throwing it out there. Now, I, keep going. I, I, You're spinning your tires. Black word. The, keep going. The, <laughs> but I think the joke is, what if, a, what if a person like that were a judge and actually brought that personality I would love to the that. bench. Yeah, I would love that. Because it, it worked show. for freaking, um, but no, we do, we, we've seen that. What are you talking about? Uh, judge Joe Brown or Judge Matt, we've seen that shit. They do. I mean, really, I mean, Judge Judy is like that too. Yeah, that's enough. That's, yeah. enough. that's all I'm going to, I've heard everything I'm going to say. You get out of my courtroom, I'm going to go drink and get caught up on TMZ. Choom, choom, choom. I wonder, I don't know if you saw this video online, but I wonder what her response would have been if Buttfucker 3000 came into her courtroom on a Zoom call. You'll have to watch that afterwards if you haven't seen it yet. I don't think I'll be watching that one. Who's this yo-ho? All right. Uh, oh. <laughs> And that uh, it's, it's, and, uh, that might be a, four, a very risque seven minutes. Fourteen minutes in hell is where we're going to be going. <laughs> Let's get on to a bigger boat. <laughs> All right, guys, Dave Durden. For our, for our viewers who still haven't subscribed yet and don't know, tell us what we need, we're going to need a bigger boat means and what are we doing here. You're going to need a bigger boat is our favorite lines in the movie we are discussing. The title is, of course, one of the best lines, which you've told me is was improvised in was. Uh, a classic shark film, uh, Sharknado. No, Jaws. That's right. I knew it. Okay. No, he did it I purpose. still need to watch that. Don't listen to him, kids. He, he wrote the ride at Universal Studios 34 times. Don't listen to him. Um, I got... I, so, you're going to need a bigger boat. It's typically five, our top five, but I got eight. Because this this movie had nothing but like mm -hmm. I mean every line was amazing. Mm -hmm. My number eight is Oliver Jennings. He says uh, this is in the last the last story. Sure, I blew a few sailors in the eighties, but that was the eighties. I mean, <laughs> still can't figure out how to solve a Rubik's cube. <laughs> Hold on a second here. <laughs> Which one do I want to go with? I have a few here. Well, I'm just going to say this. You said it earlier, but it's just one word, verb, an action verb. Vahina. Vahina, which is also uh, correlates to the real line from earlier, when, which I knew they were going to go wild when the guy says, I, I, 
I want to, I want to, to, to fuck your tits. Yeah. She was like, no, no. It's like, I'm going to say that. He's going to say that. He's going to say that. He's going to say that. Yeah, I think he asked his wife. He did. That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's actually my number. My was my number two line in the movie is the vagina, vagina. When when he really sells it on the last one, he goes vagina, soy hombre, vagina, which I had to look up and it and it soy hombre vagina is I am the fire vagina. The rapture can happen whenever, but I only have so much more time with you. And when he looks at this motherfucker, and then after that he was like, we only have so many weeks to be together. He was like. Time for your second coming. Yeah. That shit there blew my fucking mind. Time for your second coming. I mean, if people don't know what the connection there is, second coming of Christ, no, he wants her to come. And he's he is Christ, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow, we're, yeah, we're going under it after this one. Yeah. It's not our fault. Uh, my number seven is uh, from Lieutenant Florn Blurn. This is uh, Michael Showalter, who is the, the lead and writer of Wet Hot American Summer as well. He says he's playing the cop, which is very necessary for the joke in this. He says, so you say the last time you saw this guy was at 11 p.m. All right. I think you should call the cops. <laughs> and then later on in that same scene, he's smoking outside. He hears the beating going on. He's like, we should call the cops. Wait. So ridiculous. Um, for me, <clears throat> it's when... Again, you mentioned this earlier, but I think it bears back. It's just one of those lines to where his wife comes home and she sees all these naked men in this home. And it's like, okay, what what has he done prior to this? Like almost early in the movie, it's a line that stated where she's like, oh, she's a virgin since she's 35. And this is a different scene, but uh, but she did everything. Uh, she did something with an IT guy, everything. But mm -hmm. so in the spirit of that, what could she have seen prior to this for her to utter? Like she comes into a room full of all naked men. And the line literally, if you ever have a naked party again on a Sunday, you can kiss my black ass goodbye. Like, fuck, I mean, yeah, the kicks to my black ass goodbye. Fine. That was funny as shit, but... Is she mad that it's on a Sunday? Did she want a mustache ride on like on Friday or Saturday or something like that? Like, what else has she seen in this house that to like? Oh, if you ever do that again, like, well, damn, is that a sliding scale for what's going on in this house? The way I took that as she's such a pushover that she wanted to keep the role so ultra specific that she would never have to actually act on it. She gave him so much leadway to mm. still do what he wants without breaking that very specific rule, so she wouldn't have to actually because divorce is look is frowned upon. Easy boy. Um, my number six is uh, is something that gets called back at the end during the song when um, uh, Rob Cordroy and uh, Rob Cordry and uh, Ken Marino are singing uh, "Badly Damaged, Stretchy, Stretchy, Trunk, But Ass." <laughs> Dr. Richie, he goes, I'm kind of with Big Buster. He rapes me every night. Dwayne goes, right. He ass rapes you, huh? Because <laughs> it's like adding insult to injury. Um, yeah, the, that, that was... Uh, it's that almost was, like he's saying it to say, oh, oh, is that what he's doing? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ass rape you. I just, you know... Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, even, I don't want to go down yeah, that rabbit hole or, or that hole either. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, when he says... Uh, okay, when he says... Um, in the spirit of that same scene, it's like, 
to me, when he, that guy, and like I say, that scene, when they're sitting there, he's like, hey, can you spot me? He was like, I don't know if I can. He was like, man, what the hell? It's just a couple of guys working out. So he starts spotting them, and as he's spotting them, like a riot breaks out right next to them, and a guy gets stabbed. And so I guess when everybody gets, like, they, they go on lockdown and everybody gets thrown away, but those two are still out there. And he was like, man, listen, I, I mean, I know you with Buster and everything, but, uh, I mean, I just kind of feel like me and you, we, we got this connection. Like, remember when that guy got stabbed? And it had to be maybe four seconds scenes of time. It's movie time before. I'm like, he is really pulling out all the stops. Yeah, I mean, he's in there for life, man. Time's moving differently for him. I mean, if you ever get out, I won't. I mean, I'm saying if you do, I, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not. <laughs> Um, my number five is, uh, Jeff Paul Rudd. He goes, go fly a kite, Gretchen. Go fly a kite. It's not really the line there, but it's, it's just amazing to me how, uh, how you deliver a line can totally change the meaning of what, of what the words are. Yeah. For, <clears throat> now I'm going to do my best attempt at this, but, uh, but it's when they, it's when the Jaffe brothers stand in front of the camera for their step-by-step moment and say, or... It can be when you have a guy that's pretending to be a guy, played by a guy that looks nothing like that guy that's a different race than what you actually are, pretending to be your dad just to show that he cares. That's the type of life, life I like. The best I can do with that one. I think you did very well. <laughs> I, uh, you, you, you're, you're making sure that that, that hey, San Diego Black hey, Film hey, Festival... Hey, speaking of that, remind me of that. I'm going to send you some footage from that. I, I still have footage from... Okay. So you can splice it in there. I got footage from that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Number four. My number four is, uh, Ray, believe Schreiber, when he goes McDonald's, Burger King, Woundies, and Paul, Mar Paul Mardino, or Joe Latruglio responds, I love it. Little subtle changes in famous food fast, er, little subtle changes in famous fast food chains. I really do love it, Ray. <laughs> For me... Uh, I won't spill it all the way out, but to me, like I said, this was my last one. Again, it was back to the Joffrey brothers, and it was when their mom told them that she fucked Arnold Schwarzenegger, but then she broke them down like they were children. She was like, like he's like, Mom, Ar Arlen, the guy, Arlen plays the other brother. Mom, what does that mean? And she was like, I-F-U-C-K-E-D-A-R-N- O, L, D. Mom, let her finish. S. See that? that, that see that, the timing was just so fucking perfect, bro. And it was just like, God yeah, damn. Like, we're gonna beat this dead horse, but not till it's not all the way. All the way till it's done. It's, it's still gonna be able. But to even in the movie, but even in the movie, I noticed they did because she. I, I found it funny because it was sub subtitled that, that she ends with the hard E, R. <laughs> <laughs> I got two more. Go ahead, uh, sir. Number three, Dr. Richie, uh, Ken Marino. He goes, hey, guy, as a goof, guy, <laughs> as a goof. You know what? You're bad vibes. I got to blow. <laughs> and, then, and then in the, the interrogation room, how it escalates and escalates. 25 like years. I've had no guy. complaints. What the fuck? As a goddamn goof. Um, and then into the prison, continuing on with the, the goof bit, the... Big Buster, the way he slaps him, the, the rhythm to how he slaps him, the smack, 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 hold it back, think about it, smack, and then he's like, you best shut the fuck up and start sucking my dick. I'm goofing. Oh! No, I'm not. Start sucking. No, nah, nah, he didn't say start. He said, no, we're not. And he... 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a big it's a big threshold. With that being said, guys, uh, I, I know I know I'm gonna let you finish it because okay. I, I did have one. I thought about it, guys. Um, because the, the mom was classic, man. She was like, I made a. I think she said I made a goof. She was like, she was like, uh, I was wrong. It wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was Arsenio. Well, she, she didn't do it like that, but I just throw back for Arsenio. But yeah. it was Arsenio fucking Hall. And they were like, oh. And she never explains it. She was like, because well, remember, she, they, kids asked them earlier when they, she still said it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. She, 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 the dude was like, well, well, what about our dark skin? She was like, I know. I know. I know. I know. What? <laughs> yeah, the way Cedric looks at her right there is amazing. <clears throat> um, my number my number two was Vahino, which we said in my last one. Number one, uh, Steven, Adam Brody, he goes... I thought I was fingering her. His uh, his agent, Field and Barnes, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go ahead and reset that and go into Scene Stealers. Doing good about an hour in. Does that look good to you? That does not look good to me. Does that look good to you? Looks a little dry. Yeah. Oh, God. Somebody trying to bring you food? Can't see. <laughs> in case in case the time you matches up with when this episode was I, I love Winona Ryder and Heathers. No, not that one. No, no, this was uh this was uh Oh, okay. Oh, oh whoa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is there gonna be brandy with that meal? Nope. <laughs> not at all. Uh let's see, what is it? Alright, scene stealers. Three, two. All right, guys, you know what time it is. Listen, it's not good to steal other people's property unless you're still in a scene. All right, this is the this is the part of the film, or should I say the part of the show, which is a film in itself now, um, is that, guys, what we like to do in each episode is we really like to tell you guys about our favorite artists from the film. We have a couple of honorable mentions, and at the end of the segment, the artist that is chosen goes on the board. And this is the part where, if you've ever seen the movie Beetlejuice, me and David are starting to shrink right now. And the board, <coughs> this big board is coming up. And we're going to go over the winners. And always, uh, we like to call it the annual JB, or like we call it the Jackie Brown, or should I say the PG, the Pam Greer Award, since she took it home in season one. But Dave, tell us about the winners of season, uh, the winners of season two so far. All right. So episode one, we did Vanilla Sky. That was Cameron Diaz. CD, baby. And then episode two, Tropic Thunder, Robert Downey Jr. Lincoln, Lincoln Osiris. Then Django and Django. Fucking up. And the then, D is silent. I know that. <laughs> Get it out of there then. Django Unchained was Christoph Waltz. A, 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 such a gentleman. Coming to America was Mr. Eddie Murphy. The legend. Goat. Lean on Me, Morgan Freeman. The never dying goat, according to David. Doctor Strange was Tilda Swinton. He's he's yeah, you you come full circle on that one again as of last night. Fox is a very real thing. Spread the awareness of it. I'm not the only one. There are others out there that are afflicted by fear of Tilda Swinton. I love you, Tilda. Death to Smoochie was Robin Williams. Man, still miss that guy. And No Country for Old Men was Javier Bardem. There you go. Hey, call it. And how about... How about this one? Hmm. 
All right, I'm going to go with I them. got a few honorable mentions. Okay, yeah, let's do the honorable mentions first. Let's get those out of there. Let's do yeah. I have to give an honorable mention to the dude that did the voiceover on the trailer because that you was one it. of the most absurd and amazing things. I knew that I wanted to see this movie because of what Hot American Summer was. When I saw the trailer, I'm like, this is insanity. So that honorable mention to that guy. Honorable mention goes to the guy with a big, hard, wooden dick. We, the first puppet to ever mention make my honorable mention. Like to me, like for, for one, I'm still a fan of people uh, people who do ventriloquists. To me, those I thought I was a slit talker. You, these fuckers, I don't even know how they do this with their mouths, but somehow. But I'm I'm only talking about the actual puppet itself now. Okay. You know, not Harlan, I, not Harlan. I mean, no, no, he did his thing, but I was, I was just showing uh, ventriloquists in, in in general. Still, I think are, are pretty cool, but the puppet, like. To me, I, I again, I, I know he's not real, but it doesn't matter. They like talk about getting away with not paying another actor. Like they did whatever they wanted. He was always on set on time. Uh, he didn't eat craft services. He was always there. He when the meetings when everyone got yelled at, he didn't really you know bitch or anything like that. Yeah. And then all, and, and then the only thing I would say that was fucked up is they paid him an ass and not in money because he got some ass in the movie. Yeah, I mean his performance was a little wooden. Well, I I can see that it, it kind of. You know, it's, it's almost like someone had his hand, their hand up his ass the whole time. And he was too stiff. Yeah, yeah, it's on. Yeah, I agree with that. And then you know he's not cool about this Pinocchio shit that's still going on out there, where people know it's getting long and all that. But anyway, man, yeah, honorable mention to him, man. Uh, honorable mention to Justin Thoreau solely for the long shot of his face in the um, uh, in the El Fuego dance sequence with Gretchen Mole, The way he is like that, it holds on him for a long time. He's like, I fucking her. That right there alone uh, earns him an honorable mention. And he, he often, uh, uh, I think he produced this as well. So he had some say. Uh, you got any more honorable mentions? I see one of them that you have on there here. Uh, uh, no, I'll let you do yours. I'll let you do it. Okay. I I'll... just feel like Justin Thoreau was in something we just did recently. He wasn't in Vanilla Sky. With the Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Oh, and, okay, and, yeah, he, yeah, and he yeah. wrote it, too. That's what it was. Okay, that's what I knew. Okay, yeah. Um, honorable mention to Oliver Platt. For being so committed to such a terrible impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's fantastic. Honorable <laughs> mention. He says that. I don't. It's just. It's so terrible. But she's like. She's like going to the kitchen. He was. He was like. I'll be back. Winona <laughs> yeah. uh, um, Ryder gets an honorable mention for really embracing such over the top acting. And uh, there's this one moment when they're standing after the ventriloquism show. She's uh, standing out there with uh, the news reporter, LaFonda, and the way she looks at him with so much just animosity and her whole face scowls up um, was such a funny moment. And she fucks a puppet, so that's that's brave. Mm. Honorable mention to Cedric Sanders, uh, knowing that this was his first role in a feature film. Mm -hmm. Um, He killed it. He immediately got the, like the energy of what the movie was going for and um, the way he applied his dramatic acting skills to make a comedy even funnier mm-hmm. was uh, was awesome. Yes. And uh, who's oh. your scene stealer? All right, no time for... Uh, no, I'll... Liv Schreiber. I think we are... I think this whole... Uh, I feel like this whole season we've been unanimous as far as who the scene stealer is. I think I've got Lee Schreiber as well. Yeah, for, and for me, I'm going to say this. In, the, in a movie like this where pretty much most people only have so many minutes in the set, it's kind of hard with the cast and crew of people like this to do this, but if you notice, he was I, he was in more than one segment, and, and furthermore, 
to me, it was just like he did the most with the timing that he had. And I just, I mean, a lot of the film was funny, but I laugh out loud moments with him. It's just a small thing, him diving through the CAT scan machine, him repeatedly slapping the shit out of his son, then apologizing and saying, Daddy loves you. And just, you know, even being at the bar and in, like, check. Like, wait, we're trying to get the fuck out of here. Like, like anytime he was there, he was like, all the way, all the time. And so for me, and like I say, to me, he's one of those actors to where, like you say, you don't even remember his Cotton Weary. Like, I, to me, like mm -hmm. when you go back and look at his career, what he's done, and even if I'm not mistaken, he's also in, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's, 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 one, it's one of the freaking behind Gerard Butler films when he's, uh, Olympus has fallen, one of those things have fallen, and he's in one of those as well, like, and his acting is, and especially in, when he was, uh, especially if you want to do one more thing here, add one more Marvel character, he was actually Connections, again, Sabretooth in, in, in X-Men, so we actually have three Marvel characters in here with that, but with that being said, he's always been, and it's Ray Donovan as well, so his, his acting to me has always been on point, he's been more serious, he can play different roles, so to me, I think he, he was well deserved for him in this film. Yep, I agree, and I think like everybody in the movie was great, like you said, in the roles that they were in. The difference that sets Lee Schreiber apart is the fact that I, his performance took me so off guard. I was expecting, I got what I expected from everybody else, mm -hmm. and I was satisfied. But with him, I was satisfied and surprised to for for him to do a role like that. For him to even be in this movie mm -hmm. was just weird to me. And then uh, he ended up being one of the highlights of it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lee Schreiber. Definitely. Hey, welcome to the board, man. Give him an applause, guys. All right. Who was your favorite actor or actress or artist or animal or wooden puppet in the 10? Oh, don't, don't say animal. Don't throw that rhino in there. He's going to get a vote. Lion rhino. A cartoon character. <laughs> and let's get on to cast, crew, or you. In this segment, we are going to be talking to two stars from the film, Cedric Sanders and Andrea Rosen, and writer-director David Wayne. So two stars and a writer-director. Yeah. I think they think you're goof. Is this a goof? It's uh, not a goof. Let's run it. And if you notice, I put a nice hard uh, right in between them and him because I want to be able to do a cut because there's a huge part of me still that believes that it's not going to happen. Yeah, something. Okay. So he better be there. My daughter's <laughs> fucking senior dinner tomorrow. Um, coming to add to that, I want to. Okay, so um, what we got to give a huge shout out to Andrea Rosen. She actually put us in touch with David Wayne. And to be honest with you, I have absolutely no idea why, because we've done over 30 interviews. Every 30, every one of them, those 30 have went off without a hitch. Everything going perfectly, no technical difficulties at all. We're going to play some footage of like outtakes from Andrea Rosen's interview, because this was this early for us for shooting. It was like 11 a.m. in the morning and. Everything that could have went wrong went, went wrong, wrong during this hour with her. It was insanity. So, uh, roll that ugly bean footage. Yeah. And let me check on that because that stopped recording at some point. <clears throat> Is that because of 16? Remember, I thought I had that 16 in there. No, I switched that. Okay. I think it.
airplane performance is lauded for years or even becomes cinematic history. Sometimes, however, it results in a complete nightmare for everyone involved. Ellen Page's bad joke. Are you honestly and truly going to prom with Katrina DeVore? Uh, hi. Leah just, just said that you were going to go with her. Juno was a critical darling upon its release in 2007, but actress Ellen Page thinks the indie comedy has one really big flaw. And we're not talking about that hamburger phone or the overly stylized dialogue. Valencio, old man. Look, I just drank my weight in Sunny D and I gotta go pronto. The actress regrets Juno's joke about potentially naming her baby Madison. Isn't that, like, a little... So you can't even say stuff in movies anymore, huh? No. Because guess what? In, in movies, there are, there are no racist people in the world or people who are ignorant or don't know. So we, we got to stop portraying those people now. Yeah. No. No. I'll stop portraying them when they stop being here. They don't understand. They're sanitizing stuff to the point that they were going to forget that, uh, that these people even existed. Right. And that's really going to prepare us for the world. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> The best person to ever be a, a different color daddy on on TV uh, on in a movie was Jim Carrey and uh, me myself and Irene letting his kids watch Richard Pryor and eat what they want and become smart. He is the best interracial father I've ever seen in my goddamn yeah. life. Yeah, that's true. And you can take that to the bank anchor. <clears throat> he didn't even. I like what I like though. I mean, he didn't try to. No. He didn't try to like speak there. He was still himself. Self, correct. And also a good dad. A hundred percent correct. Yes, sir. All right, three, two. All right, so thank you again to Andrea Rosen for getting us in touch. Thank you to Cedric Sanders for being a part of the show. And a uh, huge thank you to uh, writer, director David Wayne for making my dreams come true and my wife incredibly jealous. And with that being said... And David, thanks for becoming another David in my life. I already got too many. Another thanks. David Benjamin. Ew! Yeah, yeah. Born in August. Another, mm. another August. There you go. What if he's a Virgo? Room for improvement. Mm. All right, guys. In this section right here, we tell you what we would have or changed about the film or would not have changed. I mean, there's been times, rare times, where me and you or have said that we wouldn't change anything. For me, when you talk about room for improvement for this film, this is one of those films where I would say... Easy now. No, no, no I got it. I, 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 got, I got it. Uh, what I would... I wouldn't want to change anything about this film. Now, did I? Did, were there room for opportunities? Hell yeah! But then again, that they it wouldn't have been this film. Yeah. They took so many chances. If it, what I would change, no, I will change something. What I would change about the film is that it would get more notoriety. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing that I would change because it's unfair. Films like Coffee Town, films like The Living Wake, films uh, that we we review, people just have no idea. Paid in full. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of films that we've done that people truly don't take the time to appreciate because, oh, there's not a bunch of things blowing up this, that, and the other. But the satire, you don't, you can't get this type of comedy anymore without being canceled or being uh, thought of as a bigot or just like, how did, like, this makes dogma look like, like, they, they took it to a whole nother level, like, when you really talk about things that uh, they were doing. Blasphemy. Real. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, exactly. I, I agree agree with you when it comes to uh, like it's a, that's a double-edged sword for me because part of me wants these films to have more success and more recognition and be be adored by more people but on the 
there's a flip side of that coin, coin as you say. <laughs> the uh, I think a lot of the appeal in movies like The Living Wake or The Ten or Coffee Town for me is the fact that they are like these underappreciated gems that I feel like are are special in a way because they haven't been adulterated by every poser out there that just like like if 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 a bunch of people were walking around quoting it it would just it'd be like eh I don't uh, know everybody's but, doing it yeah I think we kind of got into it with, in the interview with Andrea Rosen how um, I, I, I like naturally am a uh, contrarian where when something is adored by so many people it loses part of its appeal to me like blinking oh no Blanking <laughs> was something I fully embraced. Oh weekend. my gosh, Jesus Christ. There was alcohol involved. It was the Jacksonville Beach Pier, wherever that area was. And there was a lot of pictures involved. And uh, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, that, right. that was a guilty. Yeah. But uh, my room for improvement in the, in the 10 is, like I said, the lying rhino. And there's a... <laughs> The bear, the whole bear false witness story. This, I'm not saying that this was a bad story. I just think out of the whole movie, it was the weakest element in the whole movie. Um, you didn't like the Winter Dogs, man. I didn't like the cartoon. Here, my pro, I'll I'll say the positives about it was it was clever as fuck. I liked the I liked why it was. Um, I liked why it was animation because you're getting the story through the, like, you know, somebody is telling this story to someone who's all fucked up on heroin. So they're imagining it as this like crazy cartoon. So that's why you're getting it in that perspective. I thought that was clever. And I, I liked how the real dude comes in at the end and takes an actual shit on the floor that a flower grows out of just like his cartoon. You think your character. shit don't stink? You think your shit don't stink? Mine grows flowers. So it had its clever, charming moments, but at the end of the day, I just consider it to be the weakest, and I feel like it robbed us of another, like what we could have, what could have been another live-action story. Um, for instance, they could have done like a take on Pin like a live-action Pinocchio, with they could even brought the ventriloquist back, where the something happens with the dummy, where. It's erection, the, a wooden erection grows like the nose every mm -hmm. time a lot, every time the ventriloquist lies. Uh, something like that. Anything. I just wanted, I think I, uh, my problem with the Lying Rhino segment was I didn't come to the 10 for a cartoon. I came for live action and I got that the whole time except for that segment. So that's the one thing I would have changed. Well, uh, I, I can see why you said that, but you ever think about it this way? Maybe that there are so many different iterations of the Bible. Maybe, maybe that was the children's version of it. You know, yeah. did, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that that's no, what they I mean, did. I'm just saying throwing it out there. there yeah, I, I think it was... I, I just wanted, I just, I didn't like that it took away from an, an opportunity for more live action well, I wonder stuff. What, I wonder what Scorsese would have did with it. Probably would have been badass and, and full testosterone and <laughs> had Al Pacino and Robert De Niro somewhere in there. You're so fucking unoriginal, Scorsese. Uh, hey, 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 easy boy. <laughs> With that <laughs> said, fucks given. We need those subscribers now. <laughs> fucks given, fucks given. This is how many, uh, one out of five fucks. How many, how many fucks?
to your kids. Was it fucks or flying fucks? We had some people watch the episode right. last week and saw those little birdies at the bottom. Like, hey, ooh. <laughs> all right. Yeah, you'll, you'll, the flying fucks will be back in season three. You know it. All right, so for me, uh, you know, we go uh, basically no fucks, all fucks, five fucks, and everything. For me, for this one, I'm going to give this film out of five fucks, I give it 3.5. Okay. Yeah, 3.5, three and a half fucks, uh, because again, yes, there's room for improvement as far as things they could have done better, but again, it, it was very courageous, uh, and again, when you do a story like this where you're breaking it up, yeah, there's a moderator, there's someone to follow, but it's, it's broken up in so many different stories, that's very challenging, and I think they, in certain occasions they rose to it, in certain occasions things they missed, but I mean, who am I to say that, because... I don't know what their true idea was. I only know what it could have been. I know I will watch it again. I recommend it to people. And let's be honest, we can't give everything four and four and four or five fucks because then we we lose val validity in what we're doing. So to me, this I mean, uh, uh, one of us I think is always going to give it a four, uh, the movie a four or above because we pick the movies. And we well, the audience is they they've been <clears throat> yeah. What would you out of the the three obscure movies that I've picked? For this series between um, Coffee Town, Living Wake, and the Ten, where would you rank the Ten within this? It's number one. Okay, I, it just beat out. It just beat out the uh, Coffee, Town? Coffee Town because while Coffee Town played more to Coffee Town wasn't while it's still hilariously funny. Everybody didn't carry the same energy as the cop in Coffee Town. Mm. That cop, like, but in this, but in this film, they did it's like seeing a bunch of him. Do and then Liv Shriver. I mean, Jesus. Imagine like talk about movie swaps. Imagine if Liv Shriver would have played the cop in Coffee Town. Like, could you imagine? But with the same like, just yeah. man, we come in every month and we just drop those bullets. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's that's for me. Yeah, three and a half. All right, I give it a uh, four point five. Um, I think I would have given it a five if uh, if it wasn't for the lying rhino. <laughs> but I I the the cleverness is relentless in this movie from be from the beginning with Stephen Montgomery jumping out of the plane for us only to find out that he's doing it without a shoot um, all the way to the to the end credits in the music where you're getting these ultra specific descriptions of whatever is happening in the credits there's not a moment wasted in this movie as far as at least attempting to um, to make a joke and some it's, they don't always land perfectly but that's almost part of the appeal to it for me this movie has an absurd try-anything, embrace-cheesiness approach to humor, and I love the experimental energy, aimbot energy. Thanks for sponsoring. Hey, mutually pleasurable. 69% <laughs> technology. Serotonin. I love the experimental energy of the 10. If a comedy, if there were ever a comedy that could keep you on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's going to happen next, the way a suspense thriller keeps you on the edge of your seat, this is the movie. Because you're always sitting there. You have no idea. There's no way to anticipate what's coming because shit comes out of left field in this. And um, with you saying that, just side note here, you, you're going to go on a hell of a ride next season when my, uh, one of my mainstays of, uh, I'll go ahead and do a preview, season three, I'm going to get you sucker. Oh, that, that's another one that takes, that takes every opportunity to make a joke. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Craig Wedren's music is fantastic mm -hmm. in the 10. Uh, I, this, the composer is owed so much respect for the work he put in on this movie because he is traversing genres in this movie to, to, to create a, a composition that accommodates all of the different genres that are spoofed in, the in all the stories. He's, you're getting uh, like a dramatic score, romantic score, 
whatever the hell was happening, that like really tribal sounding shit that was going on in uh, the MRI scenes that, that they ended up using in the trailer too. So many different variations of like styles of music, all with this comedic element sprinkled on top of it. Um, it was just, it, it, it was really cool. It, it, was, it was a hell of a ride for me because we went from No Country Real Old Man with no music to yeah. this. It was just like, man, God, Lee, sensory overload. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, kind of like the composer, the, cinemato- uh, the cinematography by uh, Jeroen Arbach, again, tackling different styles of cinematography to complement the different themes and the stories, all done equally as effective. And then uh, David Dion is uh, this this that that moment where th- this kind of like calls back to the absurdity in this movie and how you never know what to expect. When David Dion is showing Paul Rudd the apartment, and they keep both takes, he's like, "This place isn't much to look at. What you see is what you get. But what do you expect for eight fifty a month? The internet that takes it back." But what do you expect for 850 a month? The International Space Station mirror out there, over there in outer space? That is such a, like, that, that joke is so specific to a certain group of people that would understand what it's like to sit in post-production. And, uh, and another, another joke like that is when, um, in the last story, when the dude's like, after uh, 80 miles, is talking about blowing the sailors, the uh the his friend that stands there says cut to ding dong and then it literally does a transition cut to a sound effect of the doorbell going ding dong and there's only a certain amount of people out there that are actually going to really appreciate that joke because the the joke is this is an actor that doesn't understand the difference between dialogue and uh, transitions or actions that are written in the script, and he just read right through his dialogue into the next lines in the script that weren't his dialogue. Ding dong. And you don't get that punchline until it cuts to the next scene. You hear that you see the cut to ding dong. But on top of that, even if you don't get that that that's happening, it works on its own because the dude they're talk. It's like a gay theme, so cut to ding dong works even on its own right. So it's like a it's like two jokes for the price of one. And a certain group of people are it's really gonna pay off for that understand what's going on in the script. And that's that's what another thing that's great about this movie is they're not afraid to make a joke that they know is only gonna make ten percent of the people that watch it laugh. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the clever ways that it would transition from the words and the commandments to each story, uh, sometimes ridiculously, and how each story is loosely connected. I thought that was a nice touch and uh, Angela actually had some notes while we were watching it. Uh, Paul Rudd's poop is her favorite line in the movie. She said she would follow Jesus too if he looked like that. <laughs> no, she said she'd follow Jesus too if he looked like that. The Jaffe babies are the worst newborns she's ever seen on screen. She's she's really particular about when a newborn baby is shown in a movie that it doesn't really look like a newborn. I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Do you want them to really go snatching the she baby? Wants the that was actually... She wants the placenta. She wants placenta everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she agrees with us that the MRI sequence is the best scene in the movie. So that is, uh, that is, that's, that's fucks. Given. Fuck yeah. So, with that being said, 
Upcoming attractions. We are. How do we get here, man? Uh, How do we get here? This is what. Uh, tw- this will be our twenty-second episode. It's the eleventh episode of this season, the final episode until we take a month break and return in July. And we are going out with a bang, not a whimper. Covering. I mean, it's funny that we are. It'd be funny if this was our finale. Finale, like mm-hmm. our done, because Goonies never die. And right. We're out. Yes. But uh, we are. We are gonna die for a month. And then come back after we do the Goonies, and that'll be on June third. The Goonies will be uh, episode will be will be going live and hey premiering. You. Hey you! Aren't you aren't you the one they call Mal? Mm 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 mm. Open it. <laughs> and, and speaking of mouth, I'm pretty sure it's mouth. I, I, either way, they we will be talking to the cinematographer of the Goonies, and not just of the Goonies, but this dude has done. Uh, so much. His name is uh, Nick McLean. If mm-hmm. you aren't aware, he he's done uh, he's done Spaceballs. Uh, Spaceballs. He did uh, Staying Alive <laughs> and <laughs> ninety nine episodes of Friends and and a lot lot more. So uh, that's gonna be a great episode to wrap the season up with and. Um, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to hit the bell so you get notified when we go live. We typically go live on 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday, every other Thursday. And guys, be sure while we're on this month break to tell all your friends about us. and Or just grab their phone and just hit subscribe. We don't care. We're so close to our goal for Season 2. And again, we know our goal for Season 3. We'll go over those things again with you guys. But again, just you know, pass the show along. If you want to debate movies with us, talk movies with, with us, you'll never find a better place online or offline with us. So, hey. That's the fucking pitch. Um, who am I and where do I go from here? I don't know. You tell me. That's the, uh, that's the song. I know. You, yeah, you got it? Nope. Okay. So what do I need to do here? I'm not, I don't even want to hear it one time. How's it go again? It's just, who am I? Are we saying this together or separately? Yeah. Okay. And on. David Wayne will be on it, okay. too. Okay, okay, so, so, okay. <laughs> I'll just have to time it all together, but it's, who, who am I? I? And where do I go from here? I'll echo it out into okay. the credits for that. All right, let's do it. Three, two. All right, all right I'll, I'll bring it in <clears throat> naturally into some from something from what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Who am I? Where do I go from here? Yeah. Gotcha. Three, two. All right, guys. Thank you very much to our guests. Thank you very much to you for watching and subscribing and sharing and with that being said, I have one question for you, and that question is, who am I, and where do I go from here? And that's the fucking studio, symphony, orchestra. Anchor, 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 thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks for I'll the set. finale. Patreon.com slash TTFT show. Donate.